Are you up for the challenge today on the Y'all Show? It's going to be information overload, but not too much. We're going to give you a lot of great stuff, but not quite crossover into the crazy side of information overload. I am John Rawl. It is fantastic to be with you on this Thursday across the Southland. Many of you enjoying a beautiful June it's now the 17th day of June. Can you believe it? We're more than halfway through this month. And the 4th of July is just days away. 4th of July. Hey, I remember when that used to be Independence Day. But right now in Washington, D.C., today, Joe Biden expected to sign into law another Independence Day for this country. Juneteenth. And boy, do I have some things to say about that. Now that all this is kind of settling down and we know what this is going to mean going forward, I'm not too happy about it. I am not happy about it at all. I'm sorry I'm going to get opinionated here on today's Y'all Show over a news headline, but that's exactly what's going to happen. And we have that headline coming today. We have, unfortunately, the death of a police officer in Holly Springs, Georgia, that we'll get to in our headlines across the southeast today. Also on today's Y'all Show, we'll tell you about how in South Carolina they were going to have two people be executed, but those executions ended up being halted until a firing squad was formed. What? Is this a headline here in 2021? What's going on? Also from the Palmetto State, authorities seizing a total of six dogs in connection with the mauling of a young girl in the South Carolina area, a girl that died from a result of these dogs attacking her. Also here on today's Y'all Show, how about a story coming out of Alabama, a mayor of Tarrant, Wayman Newton, not Wayne, but Wayman Newton, charged with assault, and he actually assaulted someone who was involved with the city government there in Tarrant, Alabama. We'll have information on that. Plus, also from Alabama, a comedian says that he was banned from a local mall, and he says the reason he was banned was because he was black, evidently. More to that story, we'll tell you about it. Also, in the Nashville area, this weekend, if you hear a strange noise, and it's loud, and people are yelling and cheering, and you see people from all over the country showing up in Middle Tennessee, especially around Rutherford County this weekend, it's because NASCAR's back. For the first time in years, NASCAR racing in Nashville, technically outside of Nashville, but we'll discuss the economic impact of NASCAR's return to nashville music row meets the fast lane all that coming up plus a story from my hometown they've just rebuilt a dam in lexington south carolina and a guy who's now 80 years old ended up being the first person to get to cross over that new rebuilt dam on his scooter and we'll explain how that happened on the y'all show as our headlines of the south are covered on this program plus we have a look at sports a little bit of an upset in the nba the south comes through in the nba playoffs on on wednesday we'll have you the information of the dramatic turnaround from the atlanta hawks in the nba playoffs that plus later this hour it's our sec report we're going to hear from one of the coaches steering his team to omaha mississippi state head baseball coach Chris Lamonis is going to be back with the Diamond Dogs in Omaha as Mississippi State Vanderbilt 
And also from the SEC, you've got a team that many people never thought they'd see Tennessee back in the College World Series, but they're back. And we'll talk about the history of all three of these teams in the College World Series. Mississippi State and Vanderbilt and Tennessee all in the College World Series. That's part of our SEC report. And we also have in our report today some football news. Kentucky football coach Mark Stoops was actually just at an event in the Lexington area. And we've got some uh, audio from Stoops. And this was a benefit golf tournament for an assistant coach that he had that died of cancer right in the middle of the 2020 season. And we'll get some audio from the coach of the football Wildcats, get his thoughts on UK. Also, we'll have some audio coming from Fayetteville, Arkansas, as Sam Pittman, the coach of the Hogs, has just added an assistant coach to his team. And you get to hear the introduction of this actual former Razorback football player introduced as an Arkansas assistant. All that is part of our SEC report here in hour number one. We also will tell you a little fun and hashtag hullabaloo. You don't want to miss what's going on in social media world with hashtag hullabaloo. All right here, hour number one. When we get over to hour number two, I told you, information overload, we got it all for you. And we do it in a positive way, in a way that you'll be proud of for sure. Entertainment headlines coming your way in hour number two. And then we will go to Nashville for the report on all things country music. And I'll tell you about Virginia native Phil Vassar, a great honor coming his way. And we'll play a Phil Vassar song, a song perfect for this time of year. All that is part of our Nashville spotlight. Plus, Kobe Bennett will file a Southern accent on Southern business, hour number two. Then we'll flip the page, hour number three, if you stay around, and we encourage you to do that. In hour three, we're going to tell you about more sports news across the Southland. Plus, if you go out to the beach this time of year, if you're out doing yard work, if you're on the golf course, you better be careful of that darn sun, the S-U-N variety, not the S-O-N. In fact, all you S-O-Ns and all you daughters of the South, this is your friendly reminder on the third day before this day to get a Father's Day card in the mail. Father's Day is Sunday. And if you can get a card out, great. If not, you better go ahead and make your reservations at a restaurant near you and take old dad out to a Sunday Father's Day lunch if you can, or cook for your father or grandfather. But yeah, we celebrate our fathers on Sunday. And so if you We'll get back to talking about not S-O-Ns, but S-U-N for a second. If you're going to be out in the sun this time of year, you better be careful. So we're going to, in Hour 3, tell you about a few sunburn tips and also let you know more about sun poisoning. Frankly, since I'm not a doctor, but I do play one on TV, I don't really know what the difference is between a sunburn and sun poisoning. And we'll discuss all of that, Hour 3, an informative medical dose if you will of information coming in hour three on today's y'all show all that plus festivals going on in each one of our 16 southern states we have all that right here on the show that is all southern 803-816-1170 is how you can get in touch with this show that's all about the south and we are available for your questions or comment 24 hours a day just give us a call or text to that number 803-816-1170 1170 would love to get your input we get emails in and we get text in 
and your input is welcome and appreciated. Our email address, if you want to go that route, is mail at y'all.com. We are Southern, and we're not backing down. We're proud of it. Now into the headlines and an update from Holly Springs in Georgia. Holly Springs, Georgia, a police officer and a suspect killed, each both of them killed, in this North Georgia town. And I've had a chance to go through this area of North Georgia before. It's a beautiful area. And sadly, bad news coming out of this special spot in North Georgia. Holly Springs is in Cherokee County, right along Interstate 575. Cherokee County in Georgia is north of Atlanta. It's north of Marietta, frankly. Uh, Cherokee County, if you're not familiar with that county in Georgia, it borders Cobb County. I was just in Cherokee County over the weekend. And here out of that county, we have the death of a police officer. The county seat, by the way, of Cherokee is Canton. The largest city in Cherokee County, Georgia, is Woodstock. So you likely have heard of those towns. And also there's a small community called Holly Springs in Cherokee County. Population right around 10,000. I've passed through Holly Springs, as I said, in that area several times over the last couple of years. And just a kind of Norman Rockwell-type town. But unfortunately, the news from there today is that a police officer and a suspect killed in a shooting as this happened with starting with a traffic stop and this announcement coming early today. The encounter between the officer and a male suspect began in Holly Springs and then it went on from there. The police spokesperson, April Van Alstein, saying we're in the process of notifying the officer's family members and attempting to have a positive identification of the suspect. So we don't know the name of either one of these at this point in this developing story. But again, both the officer and the suspect killed in this shooting early today in North Georgia. Our thoughts certainly to the family of the officer. Now to Washington, D.C., and today... President Joe Biden, fresh off a trip to Europe, fresh off a meeting on Wednesday with Vladimir Putin. Today he's going to put his pen on paper, assuming he can stay awake after a long trip to Europe, and he's going to make Juneteenth the nation's 12th holiday, 12th federal holiday. On Wednesday, the U.S. House, following the Senate's Tuesday 99-0 to vote, the U.S. House voted 415 to just 14 against to make Juneteenth a federal holiday. And now today, Biden will make this a law with his signature. Of course, Juneteenth commemorates the date back in 1865 that Union soldiers brought the news to the blacks of Galveston, Texas, that the Civil War had come to an end and that the Emancipation Proclamation had ended or had been proclaimed two and a half years ago. Now, I've heard a lot of people talk about how these people should have been freed when the Emancipation Proclamation was given in 1863. I guess people don't know enough about history, okay? And if you know what the Emancipation Proclamation that Abraham Lincoln gave, it freed slaves But it only freed slaves in the states in rebellion, meaning the Confederate states, the states who had legally seceded, divorced from the United States. They had 
whether you want to support the cause of the South or not, but they had a right to secede, and they did, or at least they thought they did. And the North went to war to try to preserve the Union. And if you go back to the early days of the Civil War, and trust me, I am a Civil War buff, have been my whole life, the the more common reason for fighting in the war, if you were from the North, was to preserve the Union. Lincoln said it himself. It wasn't about slavery or the end of slavery early in the war. It was about saving the Union. And so, therefore, whenever President Abraham Lincoln issued this Emancipation, Emancipation Proclamation, he didn't free all people who were in bondage, which included states in the North where slavery was still legal. We're talking states like Delaware and states like Kentucky, which was a state divided at that time. So was Missouri. You had Union generals like U.S. Grant who owned a slave in the Civil War. Isn't that odd? Grant owned a slave. Robert E. Lee had already freed his slaves by the time the war began. Probably didn't learn that one in school. But now you have, for the first time since 1983, a new federal holiday called Juneteenth. And it's kind of kicking off this weekend. And my, again, going back to 1865, the reason Juneteenth is even celebrated if you will is because that's when the blacks the freed blacks at this point were told the war was over you're free congratulations and i've read and seen articles where they were told well we should have been freed two and a half years ago when the emancipation proclamation was declared well guess what if you know anything about the civil war at that point in texas Texas was still pretty much under Confederate control. So was most of Louisiana. There were several pockets in the South where, despite things were so bad for the South, there still had been virtually no Union presence. The The North essentially focused in, at least in the Western theater, on that Mississippi River corridor. And you had most of Louisiana was still in Confederate control. A lot of Alabama was portions of mississippi and therefore these people felt like they were part of a new country called the confederate states of america and so they're not going to free their slaves if they're not even part of the united states and that's how they felt so i've I've seen a lot of people say that that's how juneteenth came about is these people would were held in bondage for an extra couple of years and technically they the owners of these slaves certainly felt like they weren't part of the United States anymore. But that that is a part of this whole deal. But Juneteenth now is a federal holiday. And my complaint about this is this is a almost made-up holiday. It was something that I had never – I promise you, I, I'm, I'm a history guy – never heard about it. And I know I'm not a black person, but I – travel in lots of parts of the south and i travel in all portions of the south and it wasn't until about 10 years ago when i was working in news in a small town in mississippi that i first heard of a juneteenth celebration there and it was attended by about 20 people (laughs) and and that was about 10 years ago and this thing has just gotten more and more attention and more and more steam and it now becomes a federal holiday i don't mind it being recognized just like on monday we had flag day in this country that's a that's a great thing but we don't have to have 
people take the day off from work and get paid for it. Uh, just call me old-fashioned, but, geez, we have 12 holidays now for federal workers? Now, that's a whole other soapbox I could get on. Sorry if you're a federal or state worker, but I'm not so sure that federal and state workers don't want to have these holidays so they don't have to go in. There's a lot of people that work on these so-called holidays. And and I'll, I'll never forget this dear friend of mine who was a black lady, a black business owner. A couple years ago, it was Martin Luther King Day. And I'm taking the day off because I was told to. It was a national holiday. I'm sitting there on a Monday morning around 9 o'clock just minding my business. Nothing to do. It's a national holiday. Can't even go to the post office. And my phone rings, and it's this lady. And she said, hey, John, I just want to let you know we got your alterations ready. And she's there at her business on Martin Luther King Day, and she's a black woman working. So isn't that kind of crazy that I'm sitting here goofing off, and this lady was working just like it was any other day. <laughs> but here we have officially a 12th federal holiday for something that was essentially not even known about until the last couple of years ago. In fact, I just went through on Wednesday evening a breakdown of festivals going on across the South. There's a lot of Juneteenth festivals, and you know what I found? Almost every single one of them tells you which annual Juneteenth events going on in places around the South. And I think the oldest one I saw was about the fourth annual juneteenth event and i don't know i don't know and again part of my just amazement of this new federal holiday is the fact that only 14 people in congress voted against it including mo brooks of alabama there was just and and frankly the media is going to try to call out every single one of these 14 and embarrass them but there's legitimate reasons to oppose this being a a holiday where you get to take off and it is essentially the equivalent of Christmas Day. Christmas is the only religious holiday this country recognizes as a federal holiday. Easter is not a federal holiday, but now we got Juneteenth. George Washington is the only American besides Martin Luther King who gets a holiday, and I'm surprised that's even a federal holiday. It's still called George Washington's birthday on the federal calendar. Most places now kind of have lumped it all to be into a a President's Day type thing. I'm sorry. I'm fired up. I can't believe this thing's going to be on the same level as Christmas or the 4th of July. See, there were some people in Congress who objected to this because they felt like this was going to try to take over for the 4th of July. And valid points, because there's some people out there, I don't understand it, who claim that the 4th of July, 4th of July is a Independence Day, is a racist holiday. I, I don't understand it. That's just what uh, that's some of the mindset going on in today's world. But Joe Biden expected to sign this into law today, making Juneteenth a federal holiday. Let's keep it in D.C. Joe Manchin is the senator from West Virginia, and he is a guy right now that's being courted by both sides of the aisle. And we have a report out talking about Joe Manchin's voting rights bill and its demands that he's looking for, what he wants changed. The former governor turned senator from the Mountain State has delivered a list of changes that he wants in the voting rights legislation in a bid to kind of have a compromise on this issue that's put him at odds with the rest of the Democratic Party. 
And so right now, if you look at the way this thing is set up, it's a 50-50 Senate split between the Republicans and the Democrats. And 10 Republican votes would be needed to end a filibuster under Senate rules, even with Joe Manchin's backing. So if you look at kind of some of the things in Senate Bill, the For the People Act S-1, that's something Democrats really won't push. Joe Manchin is proposing some things, including free U.S. mail for absentee ballots, cybersecurity standards for election vendors, and the counting of provisional ballots regardless of which precinct they're cast in. Joe Manchin also backed new campaign finance disclosure requirements, limits on lobbying for foreign entities, and disclosure and divestment rules for the president and vice president, including the disclosure of tax returns. Those are just some of the things Joe Manchin is seeking Something tells me he's ultimately going to side with his Democrats, and you're going to see this passage of this voting rights deal, the For the People Act, and that's going to be part of the almost unimaginable things from the left that are going to get through Congress because right now they they have the ability to do that, and more things coming. If you're if you're a conservative or Republican, all you can do is sit back, get you a, a big old bucket of popcorn, and and see what happens because <laughs> they've got control. And when the, when you see legislation like what we saw this week with Juneteenth where you had zero objections in Senate and 14 people on the House side, anything's possible in Washington, D.C. South Carolina authorities are seizing six dogs in connection to the mauling death of a 7-year-old child, Shamar Jackson, a straight-A student who had just kind of get – she was finishing first grade – when she was attacked and killed by these dogs. And that happened in South Carolina. This seven-year-old precious, precious child killed. And now authorities seizing all of the dogs, six dogs in total. The South Carolina State Law Enforcement Division SLED are now assisting in Marion County where this happened. Marion is east of Florence, not all that far from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And this young lady killed when these dogs attacked her as one person added she ran she was running the dogs were running behind her and then they attacked her and killed her and sadly now more of the dogs are being held and likely will be euthanized after this seven-year-old attacked just a few days ago and killed i don't have the type of dogs but it's just another young child killed by dogs here in the United States. Just unfortunate news. Also in South Carolina, the state has been ordered to stop two executions until a firing squad is formed as the South Carolina Supreme Court Wednesday blocked the planned execution of two inmates by electrocution, saying they cannot be put to death until they truly have the choice of a firing squad option that's now set out in the state's newly revised capital punishment law. So just when you thought you were going to have a prisoner strapped into the electric chair, which is kind of old school in itself, they're now having to be giving a, a really old school way of being sent to somewhere, someplace else, and that's with a firing squad. In fact, just like other states, South Carolina has had the option of lethal injection as an option to die from being sentenced to death 
And so many states have had problems with these lethal injection drugs that they're looking at other ways to kill, to to finish the sentence of these bad people. And right now in South Carolina, they've been talking about and have now the legal option to have a firing squad. And the Supreme Court in Columbia says, you need to have this ready to go. These people deserve the option of having a firing squad which is a little bit i'm sorry that needs to be reserved for the military firing squads i'm all for i'm all for personally i'm all for people being killed uh, death sentences i'm okay with that but uh not to have a firing squad that's more of a honorable way to go in in my opinion yeah but right now the june 25th execution of a Man there, a 43-year-old who's been on death row since 1999 for killing a convenience store clerk. His execution right now, kind of waiting to see. And lastly, here in our headlines of the South on this Thursday in North Carolina, a mother of a girl there forced this young girl to stand for three straight days. And detectives have discovered this little girl's body because she had to stand for three days and the girl died the girl died mother in north carolina died or her four-year-old died majelic young died and her remains not found until late may found in her own backyard in north charlotte in north carolina and the mother malika bennett has been charged with the murder and child abuse. And according to authorities, this 31-year-old mother forced her 4-year-old daughter to stand in a laundry room for three straight days as a punishment before her death. And I don't know if she died from having to be forced to stand or what, as this is certainly a case still under investigation, but just a horrible, horrible story to report here on this Thursday Y'all Show. We've got more headlines we're going to get to as we continue on with today's Y'all Show, but hang on. When we come back, we have an update on Southern Sports, the Atlanta Hawks with a big win in the NBA playoffs and other news and news from Major League Baseball we'll get to. All that is coming right up. If you want to get involved with the Y'all Show, we welcome your input. Our number is 803-816-1170. Our email address if you want to drop us a line that way, welcome that. It is mail at y'all.com. Y'all, the South's homepage, and this is the show that covers everything Southern. Y'all talk with a Southern accent. We'll take a break. Come right back with more of the show all about the South.
Okay, Philadelphia 76ers, I'm going to spot you, uh, let's say, 26 points, and I'm still going to come back and find a way to win this NBA Eastern semifinal game. Okay, we'll take that bet, and guess what? (laughs) On Wednesday, that's exactly what the Atlanta Hawks did. They came roaring back, and they flew high, those Hawks to get a 109-106 victory over the Sixers in this game. And now Atlanta takes a 3-2 series lead. A unbelievable comeback. And now Atlanta has a chance at home to close out this semifinal contest with the Sixers and move on to the conference finals of the Eastern Conference. This is the Y'all Show, and I'm John Rawl, talking about sports here across the South. We've got a SEC report in the next segment, but we'll catch you up on some other news and notes around sports to have this first hour report here on the Y'all Show. Also on Wednesday in the NBA, hey, what a, you thought you thought the Hawks winning was a surprise? How about the Los Angeles Clippers? The Clips go into Utah, and despite Leonard on their team due to injuries, Paul George comes through for the Clippers. They get the 119-111 victory, the upset over the Utah Jazz. Some people I heard on Wednesday already declared the Jazz the winner of this series. They were looking forward to the Jazz and Suns in the Western Conference Finals. And guess what? The Clippers now go back to Tinseltown and have a chance to close out this one after their eight-point win against the Utah Jazz. So some surprises there in the association on Wednesday, and now Atlanta and L.A., the Clippers, that is, have the option to win one more game, and they're off to their conference finals. On the hard court on this June 17th, you've got game number six between Brooklyn and Milwaukee. This game taking place in in Brewertown, in Bucktown, if you will, from Fiserv Forum. It's the Nets and Bucks tipping off at 8.30 Eastern, 7.30 Milwaukee time. This will be televised on ESPN as these two get together again for Game 6. Brooklyn currently leads the series 3-2, so they can close it out with a win there along the shores of Lake Michigan in Milwaukee here. Now, here's the opposite of success in sports is, of course, not having success. And the Arizona D-backs, man, talk about – choking talk about being an embarrassing thing at least when it comes to playing on the road arizona tied the all-time record for consecutive road losses with 22 as they were dominated in san francisco against the giants on wednesday losing 13 to 7 at AT at&t park and now they have tied the all-time record with 22 consecutive road losses that marks them and and they that mark ties them With the 1943, y'all remember the 1943 Philadelphia A's, the Athletics, when they were in Philly. And also it ties a mark held by the 1963 New York Metropolitans. So we're talking more than 58 years now since a team has had a 22 consecutive game road loss streak. In fact, the Snakes have not won a road game since April 25th. And that was a game that Madison Bumgarner actually no-hit the Atlanta Braves for seven seven innings in the second game of a doubleheader, a game that I don't think technically counts as a real no-hitter since it was a seven-inning game. 
and uh, they have struggled since April 25th on the road. And the only satisfaction about the D-backs having such misfortune on the road is the fact that they've got competition. Somebody's nipping on their heels. The Baltimore Orioles, the O's, have now lost 18 consecutive games on the road. And that's a stretch that goes back to May 5th when they won in Seattle. Baltimore and Arizona need to – one of those needs to go on the road and play the other one, and, and one of those streaks will come to an end. And I don't know if they're going to face off or not, but talk about futility. And right now the D-backs with a 22-game road losing streak. And are they going to have a chance to get that thing over with? Looking at the schedule for both Arizona – and for the Baltimore Orioles, I don't know when or if they're ever going to win a ball game on the road because they just seem to have, uh, pardon the pun for you D-back fans, it looks like Arizona is snake bit when it comes to what's going on baseball-wise as they're just really, really struggling. Again, getting killed against the Giants there in San Francisco, and it's not looking good. The Orioles will be on the road today. They've got a chance to end that 18-game road losing streak. They're going to be playing They're playing the Cleveland Indians. As far as the D-backs, they're still in San Francisco. And both of these teams have early games. The O's have a 110 Eastern first pitch today from Progressive Field in Cleveland. And the D-backs with an early game from Oracle Park, it is a 345 first pitch. And that could be, both of these, the first of two on the schedule today. Let me scan down and see if I see a twin bill for these major league franchises today. Hmm. Come on, computer. Help me out because I don't want my computer to be a loser just like these baseball clubs. No, I think it's just a single game. It must be a travel day as these guys. By the way, speaking of major league baseball and travel, Trevor Bauer, he is a pitcher right now for the L.A. Dodgers. He's got a vlog, or vlog, if you will. And I, I've seen it before, before he was with the Dodgers. He actually was doing it when he was with the Reds as a pitcher. And it's a really fascinating vlog. Check it out. I just saw his vlog from his trip recently to Atlanta. And the really cool thing is you, you get to follow him in places you don't normally see the life of a Major League Baseball player. And you got to see what he was eating his food, how they traveled on the plane, the bowels of Truist Park as they were on the road in Atlanta. Pretty neat to see that, and kudos on Trevor Bauer and the Major League Baseball franchise for allowing him to do this. And he does it all by himself. He At least the video is just he and his camera. It's not like he's got a crew traveling with him. But very well done. Very well done. Good news from the NFL as the 8-year-old son of retired Carolina Panther tight end Greg Olson has gone home and he went home Wednesday less than two weeks after successfully undergoing a heart transplant. Way to go, T.J. Olson, as he left Levine's Children's Hospital in Charlotte, and he fulfilled a promise made to his parents to ring the bell that patients often do when they're released. And again, this guy had a heart transplant. Someone's loss, in this case, some youngster out there must have been killed in a car wreck or something, and their organs donated, in this case, 8-year-old, T.J. Olson in Charlotte, son of 
the retired NFL tight end and future NFL TV analyst Greg Olson, a good guy, Miami Hurricane, gets to go home after a heart transplant. We hope he has a remarkable life and just a a, a really, really amazing story, not just because he's out of the hospital, but how we've reached that point in science that you can donate organs and someone like this eight-year-old gets to hopefully live a long healthy life although some kid somewhere died for that to happen to tennis we don't talk about tennis all that often but rafael nadal is not going to play at wimbledon or in the olympic games as the tennis star says after listening to his body he's decided to at least hang it up for wimbledon in 2021 and not playing in the Olympic Games in Tokyo. As he wrote on Twitter, it's never an easy decision to take, but after listening to my body and discussing it with my team, I understand that it is the right decision. He adds, the goal is to prolong my career and continue to do what makes me happy. That is to compete at the highest level and keep fighting for those professional and personal goals at the maximum level of competition. The 35-year-old Tennis superstar Rafael Nadal now stepping out and not participating in Wimbledon, a place he has won two times in his career. And right there, one of the best athletes in the world, a 20-time Grand Slam champion, Rafael Nadal. Not in in my world, in my view, the best tennis tournament in the world, Wimbledon. Always fun to see that on the grass of England when that happens at the All-England Club. A little bit too much tennis information here to pass along, don't you think? Yes, I think so. Hey, we've got some SEC sports information that we're going to be sharing with you. Stay tuned. When we come back, you'll hear from the head coach of the Mississippi State Bulldogs, Chris Lomonas. Plus, we've got audio from Kentucky football coach Mark Stoops and Arkansas football coach Sam Pittman. All that and other news from the Southeastern Conference. It's our SEC report. And hey, y'all, that's up next. BBN, get ready. We're going to talk a little Kentucky football in just a few moments. This is the Y'all Show Talk with a Southern Accent, and it's time now on this Thursday Y'all Show to talk a little Southeastern Conference football and SEC baseball. And I'm John Rawl. This is our SEC report on the show that's all about the South. And if you look at college baseball, there are three teams from the SEC that are Omaha-bound right now. UK. And we're going to talk about these three teams because what a fantastic feat that these three teams are in Omaha. Some are pretty familiar with Omaha, and there's one team that hasn't been there in quite some time. Now, the three teams, of course, are Vanderbilt, Tennessee, and Mississippi State. And looking at the College World Series schedule, Saturday, 
Vanderbilt is the first SEC team that gets to play. They're in game two following Stanford and NC State on Saturday. Vanderbilt will take on the Arizona Wildcats. This game will be televised on ESPN. On Sunday, that's when Tennessee hits the mound, and Tennessee will be taking on the Virginia Cavaliers in Game 3 of the College World Series. Then Texas and Mississippi State are your late game. The game Sunday will be televised on ESPN2. But three of the eight teams participating in this year's College World Series are SEC teams, and Tennessee and Mississippi State are kind of grouped together in, I think it's called Bracket 2, and those two teams will have to fight each other. Ultimately, if they, they keep winning, only one of those will emerge and have a chance to play for a national championship. You could see, it is possible, a Tennessee versus Vanderbilt national championship for college baseball. Woo! People would not have been that excited about those two teams playing each other in a sport since maybe ever. Because <laughs> often Tennessee, Vanderbilt, at least on the football field, is not exactly exciting. And it's not even exciting when Vanderbilt wins. As Vanderbilt, I think, had a three-game winning streak in this series a couple of years ago. And they clobbered them in a couple of those games. But it's Vandy and Tennessee perhaps playing for the national championship. And Mississippi State fans, I know you're sitting there saying, whoa, don't forget about us. Let me brag on these three teams now that they're in Omaha again. Mississippi State, Chris Lamonis is back for the third consecutive time and it's the second time Chris Lamonis has steered his Bulldog team to Omaha, and he's only been coaching there for two complete seasons. So he's not had a single team in Starkville that has not gone on to play in Omaha as Mississippi State in the College World Series for the 12th time, and they have gotten close. In 2013, they were the national runner-up. But Lamonis and this program, when you go back to Ron Polk and what he did starting in the late 70s and 80s with this program and now in 2021 back in omaha representing the bullies and their athletic director who was a former mississippi state player and baseball coach and lamonis with a chance to steer the dogs to victory chris lamonis talked about his team getting back to omaha let's go in and hear the now second year full complete He's really been on the job three years, but since there was no postseason for baseball in 2020, here is the South Carolina native and now current Mississippi State baseball coach talking about his Omaha-bound Diamond Dogs. Yeah, it's a um, probably one of the hardest years of my career. Not wins and losses, but you know the COVID piece has just been crazy all year long. Just in your you're always kind of worried about it or whatever, and and um, you know having to go through all those protocols and traveling on different buses and and worried about your team. You know, in the fall was just so different, and uh, and you know, coaches we like to control everything. We want everything controlled, and a lot wasn't controlled. A lot was on the player this year, and our guys were very responsible how they handled themselves. And um, you know, lineup wise, it was we just had some young guys. We had a lot of pitchers trying to keep guys happy, trying to get the right guys going. Um, that was a that was tough in itself, but uh, you know it's all worth it once you get to this point. And you're playing well, and um, I'm just I'm, I'm really when you when you sit in that dugout and I hug my coaches. I know how excited they are, but I see all these guys. You know the ones going for the first time, and uh, man, it, it it brings a joy to you because um, you know how special it is. And not many kids get to play in Omaha, and some of these kids, like you said, have played three years, and some of these kids are going for the first time. So we got to get over the 
shell shock of that first timers going there and being ready to go out there and play good baseball. And that's Chris Lamonis, coach of Mississippi State, and as a youngster, his Citadel Bulldog baseball team that he was a part of in 1990 got to go to play in Omaha, even won a game out there, lost two games to LSU. So when he talked about being a player and going to Omaha, Chris Lamonis, coach of Mississippi State, knows a thing or two about a college baseball player's dream of getting to Omaha. The Tennessee Vols are back in the College World Series, their first appearance this year since 2005. UT first went to Omaha or participated in the World Series in 1951, and then it was 44 years in between their next appearance as UT has been in the World Series in 51, 95, 2001, 2005, and now 2021. And they're looking for a chance to win. By the way, that 51 team was your runner-up. So Tennessee has not won, just like Mississippi State, has not won a college baseball national championship. But boy, have they gotten close. And so right now under Tony Vitello, who's in his fourth season on Rocky Top, leading this program, looking to have a chance to win a national championship. By the way, Tony Vitello, he played at Missouri back when they were in a different conference in the Big 12 at that time and went on to be an assistant at Mizzou, followed by TCU in Arkansas. But what a job he's done in Knoxville, as he's already guided his team prior to this year to a regional, and this year getting Tennessee baseball into the College World Series. Tony Botello, the 42-year-old skipper of the Tennessee Volunteers. Then you have what some people consider the best college baseball coach going these days that's tim corbin in his 19th season on west end leading the vanderbilt commodores he's already led vandy to two national championships 2014 and 2019 this is a program that had never had the kind of success until tim corbin arrived never were in omaha as this year marks the fifth time vandy has gone to the college world series starting back in 2011 and then in 14, they went back and won. They were back in 2015 where they were the runners-up. 2019, they won it. And now 2021, a chance to win with their incredible pitching lineup. The black and gold and the pride of Hawkins Field, they've got a chance to bring a third national championship to Vanderbilt University. Tim Corbin, what an amazing job he's done leading Vanderbilt again. He makes over $2 million a year coaching this college baseball team the new hampshire native who's now 59 years old and he will be given plenty of opportunity with his incredible roster to win a national championship for the third time best of luck to all of the sec representatives in omaha this week now to some football news the tennessee vols put out a statement this week and i love the statement as they've announced they're going to have 100% capacity at Neyland Stadium this fall. And the official tweet from Tennessee football at Vol underscore football will all – let me get this right. We will – I get emotional when I start talking about 100% capacities. The t- post and tweet says, we'll see all y'all real soon. And they have a nice little video of Tennessee football. <laughs> so, yeah. Way to go, UT, representing y'all right here this week. That was awesome. A transfer into the Missouri Tigers, a transfer coming from the Tulsa Golden Hurricane as Tulsa cornerback 
Akaliab Evans has officially committed to be a Missouri Tiger. He, an All-American and NFL prospect, chose Mizzou over Texas and Georgia and can really, really help out on the defensive secondary for the Missouri Tigers in this forthcoming season. But a very good bit of news for Coach Drinkwitz as this Tulsa outbound player now gets to be a Missouri Tiger with the addition of what his nickname is Allie. Allie Green the fourth going to be a Missouri Tiger. And speaking of nicknames, how about this story coming from Tuscaloosa? Have you heard of a Alabama football player named Mr. McKinstry? A freshman defensive back for Nick Saban's team named Gaquincy McKinstry. You may not have heard of him, but you're going to hear from this freshman in 2021 because he's officially changed his name on the official roster for Alabama football to his nickname. And sure enough, if you go to RollTide.com and pull up the roster, you're going to see number one. He's number one in your program and number one in your hearts. The Birmingham native, the freshman, played at Pinson Valley High School. Mr. McKinstry's name of the roster is Kool-Aid. Kool-Aid McKinstry. That's that's what it says. That's what he's going to go by at Alabama. So how about a little Kool-Aid in your life? And if you're a Crimson Tide fan, you're going to get a lot of Kool-Aid perhaps in the very near future. Now to Kentucky football. And Darian Kennard is confident that a move from right to left tackle will not be a difficult transition for this Kentucky Wildcat football player as he's been rated as the top returning offensive lineman in the entire SEC by Pro Football Focus. He got All-American honors playing right tackle in 2020, now moving to left tackle this year, and that's going to fill the vacated spot of Landon Young, who was a six-round pick by the Saints in the 2021 NFL Draft. So a change there for Coach Stoops' offensive line as Kennard going to be moving over and it says, not going to be too hard moving over from one spot to another. Now, Mark Stoops, I'm not sure if he took questions about this position change, but Stoops was recently out doing something that unfortunately he had to do because this event happened because he lost a member of his coaching staff. As in just a few days ago, earlier this week, at the Keen Trace Golf Club in the Lexington, Kentucky area, they had the inaugural Schlarman Strong Golf event. That was there to honor the late offensive line coach for the football Wildcats, John Schlarman, who died in November after a long battle with cancer. So they had a benefit golf scramble. Coach Stoops came out to it, and his wife, Schlarman's wife, was there, and a very touching day in Lexington to try to bring awareness and honor this great man who had been such an instrumental role on Coach Stoops his football coaching staff, the offensive line coach, and they got together in Lexington to honor him. Coach Stoops had a chance to talk to media about Schlarman, also just to talk to them about what's going on with his football team. We've got some audio. Here is Kentucky's rather successful football coach, Mark Stoops, here on the Y'all Show. There's been a lot of new coaches, a lot of new faces this year. The recent one, Chris Collins, what did just stood out to you that made you think, okay, this is the guy? Well, as you know, that position for me generally um, takes some time and finds the right person. 
I'm, I'm picky when it comes to that. And um, so I just went out and, you know, I obviously gathered up names. You always have some ideas in place. I had some, some uh, you know, they may or may not come true or come to fruition, uh, but you always have some ideas. And, um, you know, but Chris was somebody that uh, I heard a lot of good things about. I didn't really know him personally and uh, took some time. I had to talk to him several times, but uh, each time we talked to him, I came away more and more impressed. And that was Coach Stoops of the Kentucky football team answering questions this week at the golf event to honor his late offensive coach. And Kentucky football, they have won a couple of bowl games and things are looking up in the bluegrass and they're looking up so much that Kentucky fans want to know, are we going to be actually challenging this year? Are we going to maybe give Georgia a run for the money for the SEC East? And if you're a Wildcat fan, you can only dream, you can only hope. And when we tell you stories like All-Americans on the offensive line, like Darian Kennard coming back, switching positions, Kentucky can be a formidable football team. And they've got a great opportunity in the 2021 season to challenge for East superiority. Good luck to the Wildcats. You heard Coach Stoops talk about a coaching addition to his roster. Arkansas has just had a coaching addition as Dowell Loggins has come on to be Arkansas's tight ends coach, taking over on offensive line for the recently departed Coach Kennedy. And Sam Pittman, the coach of the Hogs, had a chance to introduce this former Arkansas football player, to his football team this week. Let's go in and hear some audio from Arkansas's top hog, Sam Sam Pittman, here on the Y'all Show's SEC Report. With this meeting, I wanted to start bringing back some alumni from the university. The man was the offensive coordinator at the Tennessee Titans. He was the offensive coordinator at the Chicago Bears. He was the offensive coordinator at the New York Jets. He was the offensive coordinator at the Miami Dolphins. That sounds like a damn good resume to me. It won't be long, but I'd like you to give his attention. Everybody, this is Dow Loggins. When I was, since I was been five years of age, I wanted to wear that helmet. The Darren McFadden one, not the shiny red one, the white one. I get the recruiting coach Pittman, but I wanted to wear that uniform. I wanted to run out that tunnel, run out through that letter A in front of 70,000 screaming Razorback fans saying, Woo Pig Suey. And what made me proud as an alumnus is you, you finally brought back that toughness to Arkansas. You played like a bunch of wild hogs. You played what the name that earned us our, our nickname of the Razorbacks. You played like that. Proud of you guys. I love each and every one of you because once you're a Razorback, you're a Razorback for life. Coach Pittman, thanks for the opportunity to talk to the team. Appreciate you guys. We got a problem, we're going to fix it, this, that, and the other. O-line. We had a small problem, we get it fixed. Huh? You all good with Coach Kennedy? All right, good. Well, team, you just met the new tight end coach, Dow Loggins. There you go, fella. (laughs) What a way to introduce the guy. What a background with offensive coordinators and a couple of NFL franchises and now back at his alma mater and wishing him well in that role with the Hogs. The Hogs, by the way, start their season on September 4th in Fayetteville against the Rice Owls, and then it's a blast from the Southwest Conference past the second week as well in the season as their hated rival, 
comes into the Ozarks, the Texas Longhorns, back on the Arkansas football schedule. And on September 11th, the Hogs and the Horns hook up. And then SEC play begins in AT&T Stadium in Arlington when Arkansas and A&M get together on September 25th. So we're just really now weeks away from the start of SEC football. And for many of you out there, it can't come here quick enough. Thank you for being part of our SEC report here on this Y'all Show. We will be right back with one quick little segment, and then we'll move over to Hour 2. All that ahead on the show that is all about the SEC and all about the South. One hour down. We got two more here on the Y'all Show. You can reach us anytime at 803-816-1170. Our email address, drop us a line, mail at y'all.com. We are the South Show, and we want to hear from all y'all. Hour two coming your way. We've got an entertainment report. We got news from Music City. All that right here on the Y'all Show. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. The number two hour here on this Thursday Y'all Show is kicking off. Hello to all y'all. I'm John Rawl, the general of all things Southern, and we are set here for another full hour of conversation about the southeast of the United States. We got 16 proud Southern states, and we cover them all here like nobody else. And on today's second hour of this Y'all Show, we've got a look at headlines across the South. We've got entertainment headlines to tell you about. And then we're going to take you to Nashville, Tennessee. That is the home of the Grand Ole Opry. It's also the home of Music Row. And we've got some good information and some good music we're going to be playing from Davidson County. All that is coming up here in this second hour. Plus, Kobe Bennett's got an accent on Southern business here in hour two. Hour three. Please hang on for the goodness of Hour 3 as well today. We're going to be having the latest in sports news from across the Southeast. Plus, if you are having to go outside this time of year, you better get all that stuff put on your skin because we don't want you to get sunburn. And we've got some sunburn tips we'll be sharing. Plus, I'll let you know about sun poisoning. All that is part of our role of being your show. All that coming in Hour 3 plus more news and We'll go through the list of festivals taking place across the 16 southern states here as part of our Festive South feature on y'all. 803-816-1170. That is the way to get in touch with us if you've got a quick text that you want to share with us. Maybe you know about something going on this weekend festival-wise or event-wise. We don't mind sharing. We like to share because we're good southern folks here at y'all's show. Just let us know. 803 816-1170. Diving into the headlines across the South as Holly Springs, Georgia in the news today. Unfortunately, for a terrible reason, an officer from the Holly Springs, Georgia Police Department and a suspect both killed in an overnight shooting in this Cherokee, Georgia community. Cherokee, Cherokee County in Georgia. This county is about 45 minutes north of Atlanta, Canton is the county seat. 
and there was an encounter between a Holly Springs, Georgia police officer and a male suspect that started in Holly Springs, which has a population of around 10,000. And according to the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, an encounter happened and a spokesperson there with law enforcement is in the process, they say, process of notifying the family members of the officer and to have positive ID of the suspect. The nearby Paulding County Sheriff's Office in a social media post said, please keep the Holly Springs Police Department in your thoughts and prayers as we mourn the loss of one of their own officers who was killed in the line of duty last night. Another hero in blue gunned down in Georgia in this case, and the suspect also killed in this overnight shooting. Our thoughts certainly there in this developing story from the Peach State. A North Carolina mother forced her young child to stand up for three straight days, according to authorities. Detectives discovered this little girl's body back in May after following up on reports that she hadn't been seen for months. And unfortunately, the young girl, a four-year-old, Magellic Young, was killed. Her remains discovered in late May when investigators found her body in her own backyard in the Charlotte area of North Carolina. The girl had not been seen since the late summer of 2020. Her mother, Malachi Bennett, the 31-year-old, now charged with her alleged murder and child abuse. And again, part of this abuse was that she forced her daughter, or is alleged to have forced her daughter, to stand up for three straight days as punishment and then ends up killing the kid too. There is a nice, nice cold place in H-E-double-L, if this is true, for this mother or supposed mother, if you will, in North Carolina. Just a a very awful story to relay here on this Thursday Y'all Show. Now to Alabama, and the mayor of Tarrant is Wayman Newton. Not Wayne, but Wayman. W-A-Y-M-A-N. Wayman Newton. And Tarrant Mayor Wayman Newton has been charged with the assault of a city of Tarrant's to the former police chief of this Alabama community. And he surrendered to authorities after the city's former police chief swore out a warrant on him. Wayman Newton was elected in 2020 as Tarrant's first black mayor and is now charged with third-degree assault of former police chief Dennis Reno. This alleged assault happened back on Election Day of 2020 when the two got into a verbal dispute. The attorney for Newton is accused of slamming the Newton, by the way. The mayor is an attorney, and he's accused of slamming a door on Reno, causing an injury to Reno's shoulder that may require surgery. The mayor said he will address the warrant at a press conference today. Reno's he left the chief's job shortly after and officially retired January 1st after 42 years in law enforcement in Tarrant, Alabama. He says he can't comment on this case because of ongoing litigation, but a little bit of a power struggle there in Tarrant, which is in the Birmingham area. Mayor Newton booked into the Jefferson County Jail in Bessemer on Wednesday with a bond set at $1,000. 
Newton, I mean, he's got a heck of a background. The mayor graduated from the Alabama School of Fine Arts, got a political science degree from the University of Pennsylvania. This guy's an Ivy League-educated lawyer-turned-mayor and Tarrant. Got his law degree from the University of Virginia School of Law and then returned to Birmingham to practice law, specializing in real estate. Was elected in August of 2020. And now he's going to have to have this on his record of perhaps assault of the city's former police chief in Tarrant, Alabama. And let me pull up, if you will bear with me for a second. I'm a guy that claims to know a lot about Alabama, especially Birmingham. So I've actually worked there for a while. And I don't know that I've ever been through Tarrant. It's in Jefferson County. I realize that it is a technically, if you know anything about Birmingham, it's got all these little small enclaves around the so-called city of Birmingham, enclaves like Fultondale and Trustful and Irondale and Leeds. Well, Tarrant is one of those little enclaves. It's actually just southeast of Fultondale, got a population of 6,300, and it is the home of the ABC Coke plant owned by the Drummond Company, the largest single producer of foundry Coke in the United States. Not the drink, but Coke as in the gray hard porous fuel with a high carbon content and few impurities made by heating coal or oil in the absence of air. Getting rather scientific with you here on today's Y'all Show, but Tarrant home of this largest single producer of foundry coke in the entire country and as i said i thought i had been in all portions of the birmingham area in my career and evidently i missed out on this one as it is off of interstate 65 and i guess the reason i haven't been there is you kind of have to be wanting to go there technically i've been Within a stone's throw of there, it is it kind of straddles the Birmingham Airport on the north side, off of Pinson Valley Parkway. Maybe I have been there. I've I've been they they've had so much construction in Birmingham in recent years that I've sometimes cut through to try to get over to Interstate Fifty Nine, as they had the awful construction and redoing the bridges in downtown Birmingham for a while that it was just a big, big mess. It was like a foundry hot Coke mess in Birmingham over the last couple of years. So maybe, maybe I've gone through there and and didn't even know it, but I'll take this opportunity while I'm talking about downtown Birmingham. Just the other day, I drove past the brand new football stadium for the UAB Blazers and they're building that And it looks like it's nearly finished right in downtown Birmingham. And it is a beautiful site. They did a really good job. They've got the dark brick for this brand-new football stadium that should be home of the Birmingham Bowl. And I am impressed with this really, really new facility that's being built specifically for UAB football. And it will be open and ready to go in 2021. It's Protective Stadium. 
and it's right there near the, if you know anything about the SEC, it is right beside the SEC office. And this is a pretty big stadium. This is going to be about a 47,000 seat stadium that will be opened up for UAB football. This is a program that got shut down about five years ago for a lack of interest. And now all of a sudden, they are the home of this brand new football stadium, Protective Stadium, and it's going to open up. It also will be hosting the opening and closing ceremonies for the 2022 World Games. In fact, when you cross into Alabama these days, they've got a big sign that says home of the 22 World Games, an international multi-sport event. And it's for sports not contested in the Olympic Games. So you might want to be making your plans for Alabama for that in 2022. But right now, this year, you can see Blazer football at this beautiful stadium in downtown Birmingham. I guess it's so long the old gray lady, the the Legion Field, won't have hardly anything left in it after UAB ends its lease and I guess it's already over with for not playing football. And you're going to have Blazer football in this beautiful new over 40,000-seat stadium in Birmingham, Alabama. Okay, enough of that. Let's talk about Louisiana. Let's talk about how the state of Louisiana says now you must be 21 years old before you can purchase tobacco or vapor products. On Wednesday, Governor John Bell Edwards signed into law a bill that makes – Louisiana kind of line up with state and federal laws. House Bill 473 was authored by Representative Buddy Mincy, and it went through the legislative session and got signed into law. Some stores would sell to people who were above the age of 18 prior to this law, but now all businesses can only sell tobacco and vaping products to those who are 21 years or older. Something tells me that there were a lot of kids from border states who crossed into Louisiana if they wanted a vape, for example, and weren't 21 years old if you were from, let's say, Texas, Arkansas, or Mississippi, and you wanted to sneak across that line to Louisiana and get you a nice vape. That the story from Louisiana this week is you've got to be 21 now. To Kentucky, and according to data, 97% of Kentuckians who tested positive for COVID-19 between March and May, 97% of those who tested positive were not vaccinated. The Kentucky Cabinet for Health and Family Services reports that 41,869 Kentuckians did test positive for COVID-19 between that time period of March and May, and of that number, only 2.74% of those, or 1,148 cases, included people who were vaccinated for COVID-19. So we can see by those numbers, at least in the bluegrass of Kentucky, that the vaccine seems to have a big impact on helping out and not getting COVID-19. Now, 484 Kentuckians died from coronavirus between March and May. And that includes, of that 484, 38 people who were vaccinated. 7.85% of those who died had been vaccinated. Scary stuff, scary stuff. But yes, it looks like it does make a big difference, but it is not an absolute thing that if you are vaccinated, you're going to be scot-free and not have the coronavirus to deal with. 
Now, back to Alabama for a story here on our headlines across the southeast. And this guy is a funny guy. He's a comedian. But now he says he's been banned from River Chase Galleria after a child cried. And he said all he did was be black. And the kid cried. Tawan Dennis is a 27-year-old father of two whose stage name, if you want to go see him sometime, is Motor City Fats. And he's been removed from this really nice place there in Hoover, River Chase Galleria, as a Birmingham business owner there. Says he's been removed from the mall. And this comedian said he was racially profiled and then trespassed from the River Chase Galleria while he was having lunch with his toddler son. And now this guy's not the joke's on him, I guess. As officials at the Galleria said, the trespassing had nothing to do with his race, but with his behavior inside the mall. Two sides to every story. Two sides to every story is the joke here that needs to be told on somebody. But yeah, Tawan Dennis, the 27-year-old comedian, said he was racially profiled and not allowed into River Chase Galleria for, again, what he said, making a kid cry, and he says for no reason. The mall has a different story. Now to Nashville and Middle Tennessee We're talking Wilson County, Rutherford County, and portions of Davidson County in Middle Tennessee. You might see more people hanging out there this week because NASCAR is back. NASCAR racing again with a major race at Nashville Super Speedway. That's located on the 840 loop, about halfway between Murfreesboro and Lebanon. And now you can expect this week with NASCAR's return to Middle Tennessee 40,000 fans expected for the Ally 400 race on Sunday. And we've seen NASCAR take places in the south away from their schedule, places like Nashville, and put them in places out west or other places. And that's made people like me, who aren't exactly the biggest NASCAR proponents, to dislike NASCAR even more when they take it away from their roots here in the south and give it to places that frankly have no business having a nascar race sometimes they get multiple races in areas outside of the south and until this weekend there has not been a nascar race in the volunteer state in a long long time but it's back this week and hopefully it'll stick around the ally 400 nascar the checker flag right in the nashville area with the nashville super speedway hosting this and again expecting about forty thousand fans to come in for the excitement of NASCAR's return to Middle Tennessee and to the Volunteer State. Way to go to Nashville Super Speedway for not giving up on NASCAR. We'll take a time out here on the Y'all Show. We'll come back. We've got to look at some entertainment headlines across Dixie. We'll do that. Plus, before the hour's up, some entertainment news coming from Music City. It's our Nashville Country Music Report. Phil Vassar, we're going to play one of his great songs as we have the second hour of the Y'all Show Just keep on a-kicking. We are Talk With a Southern Accent.
The North and South have come together again. Hello, I'm John Rawl. This is the talk show about the Southeast, and we cover it all. And right now, a little entertainment news from across Dixie. And the North and South have come together thanks to Northerner Jessica Beal, who I think is from Minnesota originally, and Tennessee boy, West Tennessee boy, Memphis boy, Justin Timberlake as this husband and wife now are coming out about the birth of their 11-month-old son, Phineas, as the actress Jessica Biel talked about the pregnancy of this 11-month-old son, Phineas, during a recent appearance on Dax Shepard's Armchair Expert podcast. And Jessica told Dax that she had a, quote, a secret COVID baby, as she added, It wasn't like it was supposed to be a secret. It was just COVID happened, and then I went to Montana with my family and never left. Jessica Beal and alongside her hubby, of course, Justin, gave birth during the pandemic, and it meant a lot of uncertainty. The hospital restrictions had just changed, she recalled, in this podcast. And she said there was a moment there that nobody was allowed at all, and I was really getting nervous about the situation but things worked out as she and timberlake were able to get together and have the baby they've been married now since 2012 they also have a six-year-old son silas and she says she loves being a family of four and i think they live in the memphis area or maybe i think they live in nashville maybe both they just need to move to jackson tennessee that is and they can scoot back and forth between the two or if jackson's not good enough they can move to hmm beach bluff that'd be even better yeah the the conversations jessica says she's having now with her six-year-old is cool she says he's a real person saying the funniest stuff and he's so sensitive and tender it's just so interesting to see that part of it happen and the little one is just cute as hell (laughs) Way to go there, Silas Timberlake, the son of Justin and Jessica Beal. Beautiful couple there in some portion of Tennessee, wherever they call home mostly, and they're also going around the entire country. As I said, they've spent some time out west with the birth of this child in Montana. Something tells me they got a place there, and when you're living the rock star, even though Justin, would you call that rock what he's done music-wise? He's a really talented guy. He, you know, he's not a guy that lines up with all of us Southern boys on all things. But here's a guy who has a beautiful actress wife, got a beautiful family, has not forgotten his Southern roots, is a part owner of his hometown NBA team, the Memphis Grizzlies, loves the Memphis Tigers, and is a good actor. I saw him in Trouble with the Curve, the Clint Eastwood movie. And then it's on Apple TV. He's got a really neat movie out on Apple TV about a guy coming out of jail, a former LSU football TV or football player that got into trouble and ended up being an influence to a young boy who was kind of having issues with his sexuality. Palmer is the name of this thing that came out earlier this year. Really good good movie on apple tv if you have that 
I was impressed. I'll go ahead and read Palmer. It was filmed in Louisiana, by the way. After 12 years in prison, former high school football star Eddie Palmer returns home to put his life back together and forms an unlikely bond with Sam, an outcast boy with a troubled home. But Eddie's past threatens to ruin his new life and family. Essentially, this young boy was playing with dolls and was very effeminate, if you will, and all the little boys in school were picking on him. And Palmer, a guy who had just come out of prison, essentially stands up and I don't want to give the movie away, but was a huge influence on the young boy. It's a, it's a really positive movie. And again, set in Louisiana, Palmer. I think it was filmed in Louisiana. I said I said it was, but actually it could have been filmed in Georgia since so much stuff been filmed in that state. But it's set in Louisiana. I do know that. But yeah, Justin Timberlake, the daddy, now got a six-year-old boy and a less than one-year-old boy. And I'm glad things working out for he and his beautiful Yankee bride, Jessica Bill. We speaking of Memphis, have you ever been? If you've ever been to Memphis, you've seen it. And if you've been to other locations of this chain, they might have had it on the wall there too. The Flying Saucer, the Flying Saucer, at least in Memphis, is right off of Bill Street. I assume it's still in business. I hadn't been there in many years. Let me double check. I don't want to steer y'all wrong. Flying Saucer is a national chain of bars, but they have a really cool selection, and they've got good food, from what I remember. Flying Saucer. It's a drought emporium. In Memphis, it is located at Peabody Place, and I think it is still going. It's a chain tap room offering 200-plus global beers and American pub fare in a tavern-like setting. I'm talking about the Flying Saucer in Memphis today because many years ago I was in there. It would have had to have been many years ago because they had a clock on the wall. And if you if you remember this, you won't think that I'm too creepy in saying what I'm about to say. They had a clock on the wall put out by, I think, a – respected alcohol company so it was not something they went back in the back and made it was a well-produced professional type deal and the clock on the wall was counting down to when mary kate and ashley olson would be 18 years old so it would have been if they were born in 1986 i'm really showing my age here let's see here 1986 plus 18 would be 2004. That's about right. It was counting down to when they would be of legal age. (laughs) And uh, it was up there like in the years 2001, 2, and 3, the Olson countdown clock at a national chain pub of the Flying Saucer. So maybe this was a common thing, the Olson count. This was when they were really big. Remember, Mary-Kate and Ashley were the hottest thing going for young girls as they had been on the Full House TV series and more and other TV shows as they were in their formative years. They were a bigger deal. They were the big deal until Britney Spears came along. I'm sorry. This They followed Britney. It was Britney followed by the Olsons, followed by Miley Cyrus, and then... I've kind of lost track over the last few years. I guess you could call Zendaya is another 
kind of sensation that young kids like. I don't know who the current ones. I guess now it's a lot of this video game stuff perhaps. But for many years there, Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen were the hot things, especially for young girls and, and of course, young boys too. And now a story out saying that Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen are now in their adult years as they are, what, 20? If they were born in 86, are they 30-something years old now? Don't tell me that. Don't tell me that they're that old. I think they are. They're 35 years old. They just turned 35 years old, these California natives. Woo, that'll make you feel old. But they are saying now that they were, they've been discreet for a reason. In a rare interview with ID, the investigative discovery channel, Mary-Kate says she and her twin are discreet because that's how they were raised. The former child stars of Full House who built a media empire and now are 35-year-old fashion moguls are still dodging the spotlight. They are practically hermits when it comes to the celebrity world. And they said that that's kind of how they were raised. We didn't want to be in front of it. We didn't necessarily even want to let people know it was us when it comes to their fame. Check that out. ID with an interview with these two as they now are in their mid-30s, Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen. Bruce Springsteen, Bruce, Spring, Bruce Springsteen and the Killers have a new song together called Dustland. And this is a collaboration on this new track. It's a remake of the Killers' 2008 song, A Dustland Fairy Tale. And now a new song put out there by the rock and roll superstar and this group called The Killers who have their roots in Vegas. I will mention they do have a member of the band, Mark Stormer, who was born in Houston in 1977. So he's now 43 years young, and he is the bass guitarist and also plays guitar and is a vocalist for the killers and he's recorded six studio albums he's the only from what i could gather southern boy mark stormer of this band the killers who've had great success and now they're teaming up with springsteen where's eric church when you need him this killers an american rock band formed back in 2001 they've had Six consecutive chart-topping studio albums starting in 2004 with Hot Fuss. And their most recent chart-topping studio album was Imploding the Mirage. Big-time rockers, big-time success act. And they got a southern guy there just doing his thing on bass. Love it, love it. We're not done with our music talk. Hold on. When we come back, I'm going to play a great song that is perfect for this time of year. From a Virginian, Phil Vassar. And speaking of Phil, we'll tell you about a great honor that he's being considered for and some other great honors for various country music stars, including Toby Keith. All that is coming up as we continue on with this show on a Thursday. It's Accentuating the South. That's what we do. We are the Y'all Show.
up, shut down. Maybe it was pitiful. Anyhow, it's over now. We owe it to ourselves to have a little fun. The pace cars pacing. Now the Exactly 20 years ago this month, that song right there was released by Phil Vassar, and it rose to number nine on the country music chart. It was the fourth release from his self-titled debut album, an album that also included the hit songs. The first song came out in 1999, Carlene. Oh, what a great upbeat song that was. Then after that one was his first number one, Just Another Day in Paradise, followed by Rose Bouquet, that tune you're hearing right now, Six Pack Summer. And then the last song from the album Phil Vassar to come out from that as a single was That's When I Love You, a very, very successful debut for Phil Vassar. And Phil went on to have several number ones. He totaled in all a total of three number one songs, a 22-single career in his time putting out records for Arista Nashville and looking forward to seeing him back on the charts. I don't know what he's doing from a new music production standpoint, but it's been, gosh, it's been all the way since back in 2007 since he had a hit song with Love is a Beautiful Thing. But just a cool guy, a successful singer, and a very successful songwriter the native of lynchburg virginia phil vassar is now 59 years old and of course wrote songs for all kinds of hit makers through the years he co-wrote or wrote the following songs blackhawks postmark birmingham he was a factor in writing colin ray's hit little red rodeo how about two songs for jody messina bye bye and i'm all right and he even Help write Alan Jackson's big hit, Right on the Money. Phil Vassar, an alumnus of James Madison University in Harrisonburg, Virginia, and then moved to Nashville following his college years and made it in songwriting. And because of that success in songwriting and more, I can tell you here on today's Y'all Show that he is getting a great honor as he and Shania Twain and others are going to be added into a songwriting Hall of Fame ceremony, if you will, being considered for that in Nashville. Phil Vassar, Shania, and others are having the opportunity to be honored by their fellow songwriting community in Nashville with the Songwriting Hall of Fame that is available for Nashville's best songwriters. And Phil Vassar, with... All those songs that I just mentioned definitely deserves to be in the Nashville Songwriters Hall of Fame. As the NASHOF announcing 12 nominees for the class of 21, and that's going to include 
Phil Vassar, Shania Twain, Brad Paisley, Toby Keith, and more. Let me tell you who all these people are as they're going to have the ceremony for the induction of the Nashville Songwriters Hall of Fame on November 1st in Nashville. You got, in addition to these singers, and I'll throw out another fairly famous guy who was a singer prior to becoming now more known as Thomas's daddy and a pretty good songwriter besides his singing days, Red Akins also being inducted November 1st. So you got, what is that, one, two, three, five superstar and or star singers slash songwriters, Toby Keith, Brad Paisley, Shania, Phil Vassar, and Red Akins. And then you've got a pretty good selection of heavy-hitting songwriters, people that aren't exactly known for their singing. But some of these songwriters are very well-known and deserve credit. And I know the hometowns of two of these. So bear with me as I'll tell you about the list of these other folks that are getting into the Nashville Songwriting Hall of Fame November 1st. Those folks include Larry Cordell, Mary Ann Kennedy, songwriter Mary Ann Kennedy, David Malloy, Frank J. Myers, Tia Sillers, Louisville, Mississippi's Carl Jackson, Ole Miss alumnus Carl Jackson, and the last one from Henderson County, Tennessee, Buddy Cannon. I just passed the other day on the Buddy Cannon Highway between Jackson and Lexington. And Buddy Cannon, a very, very successful singer, but more of a songwriter. He wrote, including his many hits, Give It Away for George Strait. Big song there. And he's been a record producer, as he actually produced Kenny Chesney. Buddy Cannon going into this Hall of Fame. So that's just what's coming going on real soon. And congratulations to all these people for their in, induction November 1st into the Nashville Songwriting Hall of Fame. That's not the only so-called Hall of Fame going on in the news today on our country music report of the Hall Show. Toby Keith, Loretta Lynn, Luke Combs are among ACM and their honors winners. They also have other honorees, Dan and Shay, Rascal Flats, and from Lady Annabellum, Hillary Lindsay. Or no, I'm sorry. That's wrong Hillary. Hillary Lindsay is a, only a songwriter. My apologies to Well, maybe I'm wrong with that. Let me read what's going on. The Academy of Country Music revealed the recipients of its special awards for the Academy of Country Music Awards, and that will be part of the ACM Honor Ceremony. And artists including Luke Combs, Toby Keith, Loretta Lynn, Dan and Shay, the entire trio of Lady Antebellum and Rascal Flats are among the honorees as these honors will be held August 25th at the Ryman Auditorium in downtown Nashville. And this honors will recognize the special folks and off-camera category winners from the 55th and 56th annual ACM Awards. I guess because of the pandemic, 
there were certain things that did not end up being included in the award ceremony. So they're coming up with a reason to do that, and that looks like what the ACM is doing with the ACM honors in August from the Ryman Auditorium. You know what is a great honor that I can prove, and it's not an award. You got to go earn this one. It's not a popularity contest. You got to go get your master's degree. And you know what? A young lady has done just that. And we're reporting here today that Maggie May McGraw has graduated from the master's program at Stanford University. And congratulations. The daughter of Tim McGraw and Faith Hill with a master's degree from Stanford. And Tim putting out a tweet this week about how incredibly proud of his Maggie May graduating from master's program at Stanford and what a celebration it was. As Tim wrote, I have such admiration for her work ethic, her fierce love of her family, and especially her passion to make the world a better place. How about that? Tim and Faith and their daughter. What what an accomplishment. Now, I have to wonder at this particular Stanford graduation, if you ever wanted to see something rather ridiculous, look at a Stanford University graduation in normal years. These so-called intellectuals, before getting their diploma, they wear the most ridiculous-looking costumes to the football stadium there at Stanford. And it's pretty... Uh, for such a so-called respected college, pretty ridiculous. In my opinion, maybe I'm just an old fogey, but yeah, Maggie May, she is one of the, what, three daughters Tim and Faith have, and now she's got her master's degree, and I'm not sure where she's going to go next, but uh, what a what a nice honor. A, not Ivy League school, but at least the Ivy of the West Coast for sure, Stanford University. Lord Elena. She is a North Georgian right outside of Chattanooga, her hometown. And now she is going to be an actress. She'll have the starring role in a upcoming Hallmark Channel film as she put out this week. Hallmark your calendars. My movie with the channel comes during our September 11th. I don't know what she's, she didn't write a complete sentence here. So I apologize for Lauren Elena, but. She's going to be starring in a film called Roadhouse Romance, a romantic comedy kicking off the network's fall harvest programming. So I guess it comes out September 11th. Lauren Elena. And don't tell me this thing. I'm not sure where it was filmed, but please don't tell me this thing was filmed in Daggum Canada, as most of the Hallmark channels are filmed across the border. Let me see if I can get a production deal on this. It it sure kind of looks like it might be a Canadian film. <laughs> Uh, of a Georgia girl. In fact, she's got that song out called Georgia Peaches. That's really cool, Lauren Elena. We we actually play that sometimes here on this show. But yeah, uh, crossing into the acting world with this upcoming release on the Hallmark Channel. Do y'all y'all like the Hallmark Channel? Is that something that you make kind of a must-see TV when you get a chance? There's a lot of people who love, love, that channel and it's almost like burning a hole in their tv when they get a chance here's a little description of this movie when callie returns home 
She finds her hometown has changed. Her first love has a new girl, and her family's barbecue restaurant has hit hard times. She classes with a marooned big shot director who might hold the key to saving the restaurant. And this is, again, a Hallmark TV movie with Lauren Elena, an actress named Sarah Edmondson, and actor Tyler Hines as the male lead role in a Paul Ziller-directed Hallmark TV movie. And it looks like it... Yeah, I still don't know where it was filmed. I, I guess you can tell when you get a chance to see this. September 11th. Going to have to wait a little while. How about Garth? Garth Brooks is going to be bringing his stadium tour to Nash Vegas. Yeah. Garth, in his Garth Brooks Stadium Tour, will have his first ever show at Nashville's Nissan Stadium on July 31st. It's going to have full capacity shows and in the sound, in the, in the round seating. And you can get your tickets starting June 25th at 10 a.m. Nashville time for Garth at Nissan's, at Nashville's Nissan Stadium on July 31st. How about that? Now, I think he's played at Bridgestone before, but never in this big, gigantic stadium in downtown Nashville. Other additional stadium shows on Garth Brooks's calendars uh, for the next couple weeks, months. Las Vegas, he'll be there July 10th. Salt Lake City, July 17th. Kansas City, Missouri, August 7th. Lincoln, Nebraska, August 14th. Cincinnati on September 18th. And then he'll be at Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte on September 25th. Check out Garth. I love that he is still up and going big time. And if you're at least in Nashville, you didn't have the CMA Music Festival cranking out at Nissan Stadium here this year. But you can go enjoy the sounds and the excitement of Troyal Garth Brooks come July from Music City, USA. And that is a look at all things country music here on this Thursday Y'all Show. Get your Garth Brooks music on the radio right now and celebrate. Don't forget to go get those tickets when they come out in just a few days. We will wrap up this hour with a report from Kobe Bennett after this break as Kobe has a report on Southern Business. It's our Y'all Show Hour 2 continuing on. southern accent here's the business south update from y'all.com i'm kobe bennett if you're looking for advice on buying a home in the south y'all's got some solid tips location matters and it largely depends on personal preference if you're moving with your family consider places such as myrtle beach that offer tons of activities for people to do though beachfront property is expensive there's a net benefit to acquiring it such as tax deductions fantastic views recreational opportunities and a relaxing atmosphere Another thing to consider when buying a home is the year it was built in, as a lot of houses in the South were built before the 1970s, and therefore contain hazardous materials like asbestos, lead paint, and non-grounded outlets. Buyer demand is growing in the real estate market, and sellers are becoming more limited. So if you're looking to buy a house, now is the best time. Business news headlines and more at y'all.com. Thank you, Kobe Bennett. And that will conclude our second hour here on the Y'all Show. And Kobe, always doing a fantastic job with those Great southern accents across the southeast. Hour three coming your way, and the word of the hour is sun. I'm talking S-U-N. we got some tips on how to avoid sunburn and a little bit more info on sun poisoning. 
That plus sports headlines, news headlines, and a look at festivals across the Southland this weekend. It's y'all where we accentuate the South, and we'll be accentuating our third hour after this. Here we go. It is the third hour on this Thursday, y'all, show. A beautiful south we find ourselves in today. It's the 17th day of the month of June, and some of you might be right now on the beach enjoying your summer. In fact, if you're there, you better really listen to me here this hour, and if you're planning on going to the beach, you really need to listen to me as well, because in the next segment, we're going to be talking about sunburn and some tips to avoid sunburn, plus letting you know about what exactly is sun poisoning. That's part of our way of reaching out and helping y'all out here on Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. We've got sports headlines, news headlines, and before the hour is up, a look at some great festivals hitting the Southeast this weekend. I'm John Rawl, the general of all things Southern. John Rawl, CSA, Certified Southern American good to have you here on this beautiful day wherever you might be located in the south and want to remind you you can find the y'all shows podcast available at various podcast sites including apple podcast go there search for y'all show or right there click of a button free you can share with your friends and family alike you can sit there on the beach and watch those waves just come crashing in while you're sitting there captivated by the show all about the south we're at apple podcast we're on the stitcher app we're in the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn app, and we're at y'all.com. Y'all is the South's homepage. And go to the beautiful red box at the top of y'all.com, and you'll see Y'all Show. And click on there, and you can listen to our show. And many of the interviews we do here on Y'all are video interviews. You can watch this fellow right here do a lot of these interviews at our website, y'all.com. Thank y'all for being a part of the fun. Thank you for listening, and just thank you for being who you are, a great Southern American. 803-816-1170 is how you can get in touch with us here on the show that accentuates the South. And as we start out this hour of the Y'all Show in our final hour of this Thursday, let's bring you up to speed on sports news from across the Southeast. And how about from the world of college football, A new named bowl game, a bowl that has yet to be played. It was supposed to be played in 2020, but because of the pandemic, the L.A. Bowl did not get played at that beautiful new SoFi Stadium. I think this is going to be a pretty good bowl game, and I think it even has an SEC tie-in, I think. But let me tell you about the L.A. Bowl. It's got a new name, and this is not a joke, even though it has to do with a jokester, a guy that's not really that funny anymore. Most of the late-night people are not funny. They're too caught up with Donald Trump. Even though they were successful in getting him out of office, they can't let him go. They've got a Trump addiction. Trump derangement syndrome going on with all these late-night hosts. But Jimmy Kimmel is now going to not only be an ABC late-night talk show host, but the L.A. Bowl will now be known as the Jimmy Kimmel L.A. Bowl. 
and it will be played December 18th at SoFi Stadium, home of both the L.A. Rams and L.A. Chargers. This is in Inglewood. And Jimmy Kimmel announced this Jimmy Kimmel L.A. Bowl on his Wednesday night Jimmy Kimmel live show. And the game, by the way, just like Jimmy Kimmel, will air on ABC. As he wrote in his monologue, this is not a joke. This is a real bowl game named after me. So mark your calendars. It's like an early Christmas gift for all of us. The Jimmy Kimmel L.A. Bowl will be played again December 18th at SoFi Stadium, a week before Christmas. Jimmy Kimmel. I wonder if you have a bowl game named after you yourself, if you actually have to go to it. Surely to goodness he would. It's right there in the town that he lives in. He'll have to find something to do instead of picking on Trump that day to show up for a bowl game. Now, SoFi Stadium has confirmed that it has reached a multi-year deal with Jimmy Kimmel to put his name above the title of the L.A. Bowl, the first college football game to be played at the year-old arena. They've still not played a college football game there. I guess they didn't last year. To to the Allegiant Stadium, that's the one, the new one in Vegas, to their credit, they actually played a game there between the North and the South. <laughs> As the North, a.k.a. University of Nevada, Reno, UNR, played a game against UNLV, the Rebels, in that stadium. A pretty cool event. I think that actually had fans in it, where the NFL games of the Las Vegas Raiders did not have any fans in the entire 2020 season. So the only game played that had fans at Allegiant Stadium, that beautiful black football stadium in Vegas, was that one college football game of last year. And so far, I still haven't had a uh, football game of college players. But this is going to change, Lord willing. Uh, it's going to change when the Jimmy Kimmel L.A. Bowl game is played in 2021. And it will this year feature the Mountain West champion against the Pac-12's number five bowl selection but I, I think i remember that the sec's got some kind of deal with either this bowl or the one in vegas and they're going to rotate in every every year and it has to do with the now the former belk bowl in charlotte is now the duke's mayo bowl and i it i, I guess i didn't memorize the new plan of the bowl rotation but but I do know that there's an SEC tie-in to one of those West Coast-type bowls, and it may not be the Jimmy Kimmel L.A. Bowl. It might just be the one in Vegas. So if you're an SEC football fan, I think it's Vegas. I think you need to make your plans to go see that real soon in the Las Vegas Bowl. Let me let me confirm that. Let me see. Because I know y'all want to know the – what's going on in the world of college football and bowl games and more. The conference tie-ins. Yeah, here we go. 2022, the Las Vegas Bowl, technically the SRS distribution Las Vegas Bowl from Allegiant Stadium, will have a tie-in with the Southeastern Conference in 2022 and 2024, and it always features the Pac-12. So the SEC rotates with the Big Ten so essentially every other year the SEC's in that bowl, the Big Ten will be in the other years. 
And the years that the SEC is not in Vegas, they're in Charlotte in the Duke's Mayo Bowl. Y'all got that? How about a payout? The payout for this bowl in Vegas, at least, is two point nine million dollars per team. The Las Vegas Bowl, and then the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl. I don't know if we've got the payout on it, but let me see if it comes up here. Oh, Jimmy, don't stiff them. I don't see a bowl payment. How much you're going to give these college teams to show up? But it's probably over a million dollars for sure. Cost a lot to go to. Los Angeles or Las Vegas, frankly. And it may even cost more to go to Vegas because you can't go to Vegas without gambling, right? Putting your money down. Well, Rafael Nadal is not gambling on his career. He is not participating in Wimbledon this summer. As he said that he will not play in Wimbledon or he's not playing in the Olympic Games. And a bunch of tweets, the 20-time grand champion of tennis wrote that he was listening to his body in order to prolong his career and do what makes him happy as he's decided not to participate at both Wimbledon and the Olympic games writing. It's never an easy decision to take, but after listening to my body and discussing it with my team, I understand that it is the right decision. The 35 year old tennis superstar who is a two time Wimbledon winner and a 13 time champion in the French open, (laughs) He knows his red clay there in Roland Garros. But Nadal stepping aside from competitive tennis at Wilmington and in the forthcoming Tokyo Olympic Games. The NBA was playing its action on Wednesday, and we had an upset. We had a massive 26-point deficit overcome by the Atlanta Hawks, and Atlanta walks out of Philly 109-106 winners over the 76ers. Atlanta in the Eastern Conference semifinals of the association now has a 3-2 series lead, looking to close it out when they get back to Fulton County for the next matchup. Also in the NBA on Wednesday, you had the L.A. Clippers, and a big upset, in my opinion, with Kawhi Leonard out. You had Paul George stepping up, and he helped lead his team with a double-double and more, and the Clippers with the 119-111 victory in Utah over the Jazz, and now the Clips with a 3-2 series lead in that Western Conference semifinal matchup. On the NBA hardcourt on this Thursday, you have the Brooklyn Nets looking to close out their series. They've got Game 6 from Fiserv Forum in Milwaukee as the Nets and the Bucks getting together on the hardcore. ESPN's got this broadcast. It begins at 8.30 Eastern, 7.30 Milwaukee time. Can the Nets move on to the Eastern Conference Finals? They got a real good chance. What do you think about some of these teams that are looking like might end up in the NBA Finals? The Nets, not exactly a superstar team. The Phoenix Suns are already in the Conference Finals. They're not exactly a superstar, superstar team. And they've got Chris Paul out for the remainder of the postseason, it looks like. So that's not good for them. Or He's going to be out for a portion of the conference finals. And then you've got perhaps the Atlanta Hawks into the NBA finals, of which I don't think they've ever been in the NBA finals in the history of that franchise. I don't think. So NBA winding down. And again, it's Nets and Bucks on the schedule 
here for this Thursday. And lastly, Major League Baseball, history being made for the wrong reasons as the Arizona Diamondbacks had their 22nd consecutive road loss to the San Francisco Giants on Wednesday. The D-backs and the Giants getting together at Oracle today. It could be the longest road losing streak in Major League history when the Snakes and the Giants get together at 345 Eastern from California. Oh, by the way, the Baltimore Orioles are also on a pretty long road losing streak. The O's have lost 18 straight, and they'll be on the road with an early game from Progressive Field taking on the Indians and an early afternoon game on this Major League Baseball day. And that is what's up with sports across the Southeast to start this Hour 3 of Talk with a Southern Accent. When we come back, we're going to tell you about sunburn. Oh, you better be putting on the lotion. We'll give you some tips and also let you know all about sun poisoning. It is the Y'all Show Medical Report with the doctor of making you feel good. It's General John Rawl, not a doctor and not a surgeon general. (laughs) We'll be right back with more of the Y'all Show. Getting through this last hour of the Y'all Show with John Rawl and those guys there in their time around Jacksonville likely hit the beach and had a good time. Hopefully used protection. And here on the Y'all Show, we're going to kind of kick into our medical section of the Y'all Show, talking about protection against the sun and more. And want to also let you know that the text line is open. If you've got a story about being out on the beach and getting exposed too much or just being exposed to the sun a little bit more than you should wherever you might have been, 803-816-1170 is how you can get in touch with the Y'all Show. So, yeah, it is summertime. That sun is just a-blazing. It's hot out there. And you don't want to end up hurting. And we have here some advice of what helps and what hurts when it comes to sunburn. And I'm also going to talk about what exactly is sun poisoning here on the y'all show. The top five sunburn fixes people are Googling right now. If you are at the beach and you got sunburn and people are wanting to know how to fix sunburn, there are some Googling going on. And one question out there is, does shaving cream help a sunburn? 
uh, yes or no, does shaving cream help with sunburn? And according to what I'm finding out there, it actually won't magically get rid of sunburn. But shaving cream does have menthol, which has cooling effects and helps with inflammation. So if you're in a pinch, yeah, shaving cream may not be the worst thing when it comes to sunburn. People are also on Google asking, does aloe help? The answer is yes, aloe vera is the most popular thing people use when they are suffering from sunburn. It helps with pain, redness, and inflammation, and it makes your skin produce more collagen, so it actually heals faster. So yes, on aloe vera. If you've got that, put it in your beach bag, or if you're out doing chores and you end up getting a little bit too much sun, aloe vera does help out for sunburn. Also, people are wanting to know, does vinegar help? And according to our research staff here at the Y'all Show, vinegar, when it comes to sunburn, eh, maybe, but it could also make things worse. Now, some people swear that apple cider vinegar works for sunburns, but vinegar is acidic, so you have to dilute it a whole bunch. If you don't dilute vinegar and you try to treat sunburn with it, it can burn you even more. It is amazing how acidic vinegar can be. I forgot what I was suffering from a few years ago. It might have had maybe sores in my mouth or something like that at the time. And someone suggested using vinegar and swishing vinegar in my mouth. And gosh, just one little small couple drop or two or three of that in a big cup of water was just Woo, it was bad. And in fact, now that it's coming back to me, I've tried to flush it. I was using apple vinegar. I think it was apple. Apple cider vinegar, yeah. I was using it for gout. Someone said that if you take a lot of vinegar or mix in vinegar into your bloodstream, that it can help fight off gout. I don't I don't know about that. I'll tell you what, it was disgusting. <laughs> vinegar is pretty potent stuff. When it's all alone, that is. A little vinegar mixed in with your salad dressing or something else. Now, that's maybe not so bad. Another question people are Googling when it comes to sunburn in the 2021 summer. Does lotion help a sunburn? The answer, yes, but it should be non-oil-based lotion. Anything with oil can trap. Anything with oil can trap the heat in and make it hurt more if you put it on too soon so in general the best advice is to wait a day with oil-based stuff but moisturizing while you recover is a good idea so yes but it should be a non-oil-based lotion if you're going to try to use it to help sunburn okay another very common question about sunburn people are asking right now is does coconut oil help and the answer is and maybe. Again, though, don't put it on right away or the oil can trap in the heat. So we just answered five of the most popular questions people are on Google asking right now about how to fix sunburn if you're having to go through it. So the out of these five questions, the only one that I can count on is something that would definitely help out if you're experiencing sunburn or if you're wanting to go to the store and pick up something before you go out and lay in the sun all day, is it looks like aloe vera 
is the best thing because according to this, aloe vera, not only is it the most popular thing people use, but it helps with pain, redness, and inflammation, and it makes your skin produce more collagen. So with more collagen, your sunburn will heal faster. So forget, if you can, about using shaving cream or vinegar or oil-based lotions or even coconut oil. Just stick to aloe vera. I don't think it's that expensive when you go down to your local pharmacy or Wally World or wherever you get your products for sunburn problems of summer 21. Now, talking about sunburn, of course, if you've ever had it, you've never forgotten it. But I wanted to know what's the difference between sunburn and sun poisoning. I have had in my lifetime one really horrible experience with being out in the sun too long. And, oh, I know you know what I'm talking about. I know you can feel it down in your bones when you get too much sun. Oh, you just you can't lay in bed and you kind of shiver from pain. It's some, and then it starts peeling. Ooh, that sun. It might be a couple hundred zillion miles away, but is it not powerful here on Earth? <laughs> now, sun poisoning does not really mean you've been poisoned. It is often the term used for a severe case of sunburn. This is usually a burn from UV rays, and it inflames your skin. Now, within just 15 minutes of being in the sun, you can actually be sunburned, but you might not know it right away. The redness and discomfort might not show up for several hours. Just 15 minutes of sunlight can cause sunburn. Keep that in mind. You can be severely sunburned if you stay in the sun a long time and don't wear protection. You're more likely to sunburn if you have light skin or fair hair. Severe sunburn or sun poisoning can cause symptoms such as the following. So if you have this or are about to have it, keep this down because you need to know what to do. Sun poisoning symptoms include skin redness and blistering, pain and tingling. That's kind of what I was talking about, hurting in your bones. Ooh, it's just not good. Swelling, headaches can come from being out in the sun too long. You can get a fever and chills. Nausea, dizziness, dehydration, all from being out in the sun and this ultimately leading to sun poisoning. For severe sunburn, there's a few remedies that actually will help, will actually help you. You know what the first thing to help for a severe sunburn? This one, this one might not necessarily be one you think of first, but it ought to be. According to this article at WebMed, WebMD.com, the, the first step to remedy sunburn is and, and likely sun poisoning. Get out of the sun. <laughs> Don't make it worse. Get out of the sun. Then take a cool, but not cold, take a cool shower or bath and apply a cool compress. Drink extra fluids for several days. Take ibuprofen or aspirin, acephitamine, to relieve the pain. Use aloe gel or a moisturizer. Completely cover the sunburn areas when going outside. And then, if that's not helping and you think it's a more severe case, 
You need to seek immediate medical care if you have any of these symptoms, according to WebMD.com. A sunburn that forms blisters or is very painful. If you have facial swelling, if you have those fevers and chills, if you have an upset stomach or a headache, or if you're showing signs of dehydration, go get more advanced medical help. To stay away from all these problems, to prevent sun poisoning, you need to follow the basics of sun safety. Wear sunscreen that has an SPF of at least 30 and says broad spectrum on the label. That means it protects against the sun's UVA and UVB rays. Put it on all over your body about 15 to 30 minutes before going out in the sun. Then reapply at least every two hours after you've been sweating or if you've been in the water. So water is not a friend of this stuff. It will help it to go away. So apply it at least every two hours if you're going to stay out in the sun. But that important thing, an SPF of at least 30 and also broad spectrum. You need to limit your sun exposure between 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. And remember that water, snow, and sand can intensify the sun's damaging rays. So if you're hanging out on the beach and you're laying there in the sand, that sand is helping to kind of amplify the sun's rays. If you're out snow skiing, even in June somewhere, you might be snow skiing, you can get sunburned snow skiing. Yeah, yeah. So limit your sun exposure, especially between 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. Those four hours are the worst for sun exposure. Other hours are very damaging, too, except for midnight. You can go all you want to and, and lay on the beach at midnight. And, of course, wear sunglasses, a hat, and protective clothing. And, of course, if you're on medication, check your medications because some of these medications, including birth control pills, can really cause problems. A simple problem was maybe some of these things like birth control pills will make your skin more sensitive. So just be very careful. Check with your doctor. Check with more sources again because this is something serious. People can die from too much sun if if you're not careful. Not likely, but it definitely couldn't cause major problems. So we're here on the Y'all Show just trying to help you out here. We're in the helping business on this Thursday Y'all Show. I'll tell you what, we're going to help you with a few more headlines from across the South. We'll get to that right after this timeout. And before the hour's up, a few of the great festivals going on across the South here on this June weekend. We'll be back. The clock on the wall says we're running out of time, so we better hurry up. Stay tuned. Sitting on the front porch on a summer afternoon In a straight-back chair on two legs Leaned against the wall Watch the kids playing with June bugs on a string And chase the glowing fireflies when evening shadows fall In my Tennessee mountain home Life is as peaceful as a baby's sigh
The South's homepage is y'all.com. You can log on right now to the website all about the South and get some great stories from home improvement help to country music singers and authors and more. It's all right there. You can watch many of the great articles and video interviews at y'all.com, the South's homepage. Looking at some news headlines across the South here as we're kind of winding this Thursday y'all show to a quick close. Unfortunately, from North Georgia, a officer killed and a suspect killed in an overnight shooting in Holly Springs, Georgia. This is in Cherokee County, roughly 50 miles and 50 minutes north of Atlanta. A police officer and suspect killed in this shooting during a traffic stop in this North Georgia town. And a male suspect and a officer from the Holly Springs, Georgia Police Department in this encounter as a Holly Springs police spokesperson said in a statement that they're in the process of notifying the family members of the officer and attempting to have a positive ID of the suspect. A nearby sheriff's office, Paulding County, put out a statement on social media saying, please keep the Holly Springs, Georgia Police Department in your thoughts and prayers as we mourn the loss of one of their officers who was killed in the line of duty last night. A hero in blue and more to come in this developing story from Holly Springs, Georgia. In South Carolina, my hometown, Lexington, SC, an 80-year-old man and his scooter were the first to to cross a rebuilt dam there as 12 Mile Creek had a big explosion of water a few years ago and it blew out a couple of different ponds in the area. And after years of nobody replacing this gigantic pond there, Gibson Pond, the town of Lexington and other officials within Lexington County, they, they finally got it built. And for the last several months, every single day, the construction crew rebuilding this dam at Lexington, South Carolina's Gibson Pond Park had this guy come check on the progress. James Farnham didn't work for the town or the construction company, but this 80-year-old man in his scooter wanted an excuse to get out of the house. Y'all know how that is. So he would come down on the scooter the mile from his house to watch the crew work. And he said, I've seen the whole thing from the beginning. They built the dam from nothing. He should have said they built the whole damn thing from nothing. But he said they built the dam from nothing. And last week, James Farnham, at 80 years old, got to see the crew's complete work on the 138-foot span of this dam. And it opened to foot traffic for the first time. And guess what? They let him be the first person to cross this $5.2 million project as he... This dang Yankee, I knew it. I knew I didn't recognize his name. This man is from New York originally. He moved to Lexington, South Carolina last year from Florida. So he's going from New York, Florida, up to South Carolina now. And he moved to South Carolina to be closer to his son after his wife of 50 years passed away. He's a former floor-covering salesman. And again, out of boredom, and to get out of the house, he'd go down there and check on this construction of this dam of this big pond and the crew made sure Mr. Farnham would be on hand when the span was finally completed and open to the public, and they let him and his scooter be the first, I guess it would be a brave thing, go across that Gibson Pond Dam, and now he says he'll have good times for years to come thanks to the reopening of this park and this nice big 
over $5 million dam that's been built in Lexington, South Carolina. Feel-good story for a man who's, yeah, he's a dang northerner, but he's had a rough go of it here lately, and he gets to be the first to cross this rebuilt dam on his nice scooter. And there's an article about it where he's got his looks like Tennessee orange shirt on. I don't know if he's a Tennessee fan, but that's that's not too common there in South Carolina to see the big orange supporters. It may be a Tampa Bay Buccaneers shirt for all I know, but he's having a good time and enjoying the the dang, as you will. My my father, every time there's another giant uh, holding of water device, if you will, there in my home area, and every time you say, you know, i got to go across the dam to hey, watch your language, he would always make a big deal. Of course, he was being a comedian. But, yeah, that's a, that's a new one there in Lexington, S.C., with the reopening of a Gibson Pond. Ooh, what a costly costly little project there we'll come back here on the y'all show we got one last segment we got a look at festivals across the southeast that we'll get to it's part of our festive south report lots of fun i'll tell you about the oak ridge boys in paris today all that coming up on the y'all show talk with a southern accent Nothing like Richard Sturban's big old bass voice from the Oak Ridge Boys. And you can see Richard and Joe and Dwayne and William Lee, the Oak Ridge Boys. I just said all that off the top of my head, by the way. Give me some credit. The Oak Ridge Boys, they're going to be in the party capital of the Volunteer State today. Paris, Tennessee. It's the Tennessee River Jam taking place today through Sunday and the Oaks in downtown Paris as the Paris-Henry County Chamber of Commerce is putting this thing on, and it's awesome, awesome, awesome. The Paris area just hosted the big catfish event back in May, and now they've got this, the Tennessee River Jam going on. I'm telling you, Paris is outdoing All those other places, those slackers like Nashville and Knoxville and Memphis. Yeah, check it out. The Tennessee River Jam going on Saturday in Paris, technically on the lake right outside of Paris. Daryl Worley is coming up from Savannah. He's coming downstream the Tennessee River, and he's on the Tennessee River run to Paris, Tennessee, for the Tennessee River Jam going on. It's a music festival of a bunch of people, but today the Oak Ridge Boys will be in beautiful Paris, Tennessee. Woo! Cannot wait. I want a full report if I'm not able to make on how things go down in Paris. Good to see the Oak Ridge Boys out touring. 
and they got a new project they're working on too. But yeah, the Tennessee River Jam this weekend. Elsewhere in the South this weekend, it's the Chilton County Peach Festival in Clanton, Alabama. This will be at Peach Park. That's just off of US 31 as Clanton, south of Birmingham, really right off the interstate, off of 65 between Birmingham and Montgomery. They love their peaches in Chilton County, and they got a peach festival to prove it, and it's going to be taking place this very weekend if you can make your way to that peach capital of Alabama. Enjoy a very good peach festival this weekend. It's the Chilton County Peach Festival taking place Again, right there in Clanton. And they've got that great place. If you ever have to stop, if you're heading to the beach on 65, they got that place right there that is uh, delicious. I mean, delicious peach ice cream. They make a big deal. I I should know the name of the place because I've stopped there several times. But, yeah, it's right there at Clanton off of Interstate 65. And this weekend, it's the Chilton County Peach Festival in Clanton, Alabama. In Oklahoma City this weekend, it's to give them credit. They're the only – I've been looking up festivals across the South here for this segment, and this is the only place I saw that actually has scheduled for this very weekend something to honor the fathers of the world. As Oklahoma City this weekend has a free Father's Day festival at Scissortail Park in downtown Oklahoma City off of Southwest 7th Street. It's taking place Sunday. It's a free Father's Day festival on Sunday in OKC. What a really cool reminder to not forget your dads out there this weekend. It's it's Father's Day. Now, in Maryland this weekend, it's the Antique and Classic Boat Festival. That's taking place in St. St. Michael's on the Chesapeake Bay. This will be at the Chesapeake Bay Maritime Museum on Talbot Street, Friday through Sunday. The Antique and Classic Boat Festival. Get your uh, your dinghy out, if you will, and enjoy, or whatever other maritime vessel you might have, and enjoy the Antique and Classic Boat Festival in beautiful Maryland this weekend. In Galveston, Texas... This weekend, the home of Juneteenth. It's the Juneteenth Absolute Equality Mural Dedication. And I've actually seen a sneak peek of this mural that's going to be put up and displayed forever. Now that Juneteenth is a national holiday in Galveston, where Juneteenth kind of came around and became a reality, this weekend at 1030 on Saturday morning, if you make your way to Galveston, you can check out the unveiling of the Absolute Equality Mural Dedication right there in the, again, home of Juneteenth. That wraps up our Thursday Y'all Show. Thank you for being a part of the fun. John Rawl signing off. I will be back with you on Friday for a Friday through for y'all. Y'all have a wonderful rest of your day, and thank you for listening to the show that's all about the South, the Y'all Show. Y'all Show.